Hi, I welcome you to the first episode of the Sunday Morning Brew with Sahas, and I'm very happy that you're here. Today we are going to talk about cryptocurrency. We've heard about it, we've seen enough about it, and we've experienced the hype go from nothing to literally everything. In 2009, cryptocurrency was merely a backdoor idea that wasn't worth many pennies, and very few years heard about it. But today, it is a four trillion dollar market. It's a four trillion dollar game with a T. Not a B, by the way, and Bitcoin is worth about forty-three thousand dollars on the market, and Ethereum is worth about three thousand dollars on the market, and there are eight thousand other cryptocurrencies out there. These are aggressive numbers. Eight thousand other cryptocurrencies out there that are playing their own game, and we owe all of this to a Japanese anonymous dude called Satoshi Nakamoto, who's conceptualized it and built this idea into what it is today. Well. <laughs> There's something about the Japanese dudes, though. There's something about the Japanese men because first they come up with TV shows like Doraemon and Shinchan that promote the the <laughs> discrimination against dwarfs on this planet, and in another phase they revolutionize the entire financial technology industry as we know it. And I could very well say with fact that it is a great milestone in modern economics as a whole. Cryptocurrency it has played its game. But what I respect more than cryptocurrency and the growing numbers of cryptocurrency is the underlying technology that cryptocurrency makes use of, the blockchain technology. And I have tremendous respect for the blockchain technology. I feel that it is a real solution. Blockchain is a real solution because it solves real problems. There are real institutional problems in every economic system that blockchain tries to solve, and it is very successful at solving them. The leader at all of these issues is privacy, and we know that as AI expands and as、uh, machine learning is expanding at the rate it is, privacy is a major concern for all human beings across the planet.、Uh, and so, privacy is a very, very critical seller of blockchain technology. And not just that, but misinformation, inefficiency in governance, inefficiency in, in economic policies across the world. Are other economic problems are real problems that blockchain and cryptocurrency via V are trying to solve, and they're very good at it.、Mm, so we can establish that there are real problems, and blockchain and cryptocurrency are real solutions. But wait a minute, as an economic student and as a general observer of how things span across in the economic landscape across the world, if there's one thing I can very confidently say. It's that every innovation, every disruption, every worthwhile idea, ladies and gentlemen, has a timing. It has a particular timing in history that it will work in. Now we've seen it in the past that one idea that didn't work in one period of time carried the course, and it worked in a different period of time, and it's completely natural. And for the same reason, I think that the world is not ready for cryptocurrency. We are not ready for cryptocurrency. And I have three major reasons to prove my point as to why I feel cryptocurrency is not ready to take on the world yet. Number one is uncertainty. Now we've seen Elon Musk tweet in April 2020 when he said that you can now buy a Tesla with Bitcoin, and I was pretty stunned by it. I was like, "Damn, this is this is some kind of progress." But immediately, in another month and a half. He wrote another tweet saying, "You cannot buy a Tesla with Bitcoin or any other coin." 
And that is when it really hit that cryptocurrency might not be as efficient as it sounds and as it looks like. Um, not just that, but last year in April 2021, Dogecoin was worth about 20 cents on the dollar. And then in the next 10 days, it tripled its value. And then within the next one week, it went back to the value that it was before or even less. So this high rate of fluctuation in cryptocurrency can be natural because obviously there's very high demand and the cost of mining uh, these coins is so high that obviously you have this, this huge inflow of fluctuation that happens in the economy. So it's pretty natural. But the thing is, is our economy ready for fluctuation? Is our world ready for uncertainty? Is our world ready for fluctuation? The answer is no, because we've just come out of a COVID-19 pandemic. We've just experienced heights of uncertainty and people yearn for certainty. Families yearn for certainty. Organizations, economic agencies, governments across the world and societies across the world, what they yearn for is certainty, what they yearn for is stability and predictability. But cryptocurrency offers exactly the opposite because it's highly fluctuative. It offers uncertainty, it offers instability. And for the same reason, I think that at least for the next three to four years or four to five years, we can see that there will be a decline in the amount of growth of these cryptocurrencies because they will not get the amount of attention they need and they seek to get. Um, so I think that it's, it's cryptocurrency is too unstable to be practical at this point. Moving on, this gets me to my second point, which is, it's that these cryptocurrencies, they're impossible alternatives to the traditional currency in our economies, whether the Indian dollar, Indian rupee, or the American dollar, or the Chinese yen. I don't see cryptocurrency being ever an alternative to these traditional currencies. The end goal of all cryptocurrency is to make sure that the world follows one particular currency and a unified digital currency, which is a great ambition to have. I like great ambitions. I'm a guy who likes big dreams. But the fact is that it's far from being a means of exchange of value, cryptocurrency. It's exactly because it's going to take us back to the barter system. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what the barter system was. It means that the buyer had something that the seller didn't have, and both of, have, both of them had to find a, a, a double coincidence of wants. He had to want something that I have in order to make the transaction possible. Now, same as the case with, with cryptocurrency. I mean, I go up to buy sneakers from a retailer with 50 bitcoins in my pocket and I say that I'll pay you only with bitcoins and he doesn't have those bitcoins, he doesn't have any bitcoins and why would a seller accept bitcoins as a mode of payment? So it is very, very empirical that we understand cryptocurrency is not, is not ready or is not made. It's not structured in a way that it is useful for everyday purchase, everyday spending. And I don't see it ever to be uh, a means of exchange of value or even substituting national economic currencies. Um, so if, if, if cryptocurrency were to be introduced as a means of exchange, I think it's going to be a complete failure because it doesn't take us forward into the future. It takes us back to the past and to the barter system. Mm, so it's, it's degress, not progress. But however, 
there's always a but. Cryptocurrency can be used in trade. I feel that cryptocurrency will be a great alternative during trade because in trade, it cuts down by a heavy sum the, the, the costs of imports and exports, the cost of carriage charges, the shipment charges by a great sum. And it can do a lot of good, uh, good helping there in that department. So I feel that even though cryptocurrency is not ready for day-to-day -day transactions, I'm however sure that it will be a great substitute for trade, for global trade, and a more safer, more faster, more cost-effective global trade. And I have a third point and a very final point that I'd like to make is that there are limitations of national and cultural like. Um, there are cultural and national limitations because folks, if you see out of the 8,000 different cryptocurrencies out there, 98% of them, 98% of them are operating from and within America. And we know for a fact that America is a capitalist economy. We've learned it, isn't it? America is a capitalist economy that has very little or close to no public intervention during private expansion. Whereas the rest of the world is not capitalist economy. I mean, there are some countries that are capitalist in nature, but there are many, many other countries that are mixed economies and that are socialist economies. And we know that bureaucracy is heavily in these countries. Bureaucracy is heavily funded and heavily motivated in these particular countries. And we also know that it's an economic prayer that more the bureaucracy, less the innovation. Bureaucracy and innovation just don't seem to go along so well. Hence, for the same reason, I think that India banned cryptocurrency last year because we have a very delicate currency value. Most of the nations, mixed economies and socialist economies are worried about their economic value, their economic standing in the world. And they don't want to let a competition, a currency competition, come into the picture and fool the people and grab some bones out of the people. That is a, that is a great ask from the government, if you ask me. Um, but <laughs> we, have to, we have to give credit to America that it's sacrificing a competition against its own economy for the sake of being a capitalist economy. So it is a it is a great sacrifice by America, I should say, but they are a capitalist economy at the end of the day. They are uh they're following the word pretty well, which I which I really like. But look at what happened in India when private when private crypto was established in India. Look at what happened. I'm very glad actually that the government has decided to ban all cryptocurrency in India. Because folks, 287 million, I mean, I have the papers here, so 287 million people in India are illiterate. They don't know how to read and write. That's about 37% of the global total of illiteracy, I'm told. So that's, that's shocking, isn't it? And you take this chunk of population and you introduce them to something as brand new as cryptocurrency and as risky as cryptocurrency. Obviously, no wonder there were scams, there were frauds. There were a lot of people who lost their homes. There were a lot of people who lost their loans. There were a lot of people who spent their incomes, their savings on it. And uh, they've literally gone to the streets. They've literally fallen to the streets. And that's pretty sad. Um, that's the downside of cryptocurrency is that when you introduce a... There seems to be a delusion in the world that if technology works in one part of the world, it's necessary that it works in another part of the world. It's not always the case. 
the several cultural, religious, traditional, economic, national boundaries that have to be surpassed in order to make a technological development possible, I feel. And to conclude this, I'd say that leaving all the dark clouds aside, leaving all the negative forces aside, I feel that cryptocurrency is a real solution and the world will get better if you just write down the pros and cons of cryptocurrency, sort of like, I think the the progress is much higher than the degress. Uh, I think that it is a real solution, but we don't know if it's an effective solution or an ineffective solution just yet. But my closing perspective would be that cryptocurrency firms across the world should not try to sell it to people more. They have to sell it to the governments more because they're the real decision makers. They're the ones who launch it into economies and into their national systems. So instead of cryptocurrency firms investing millions and millions into promoting it only to the people, cryptocurrency firms should work with government agencies and economic agencies across the world to establish that sense of trust that cryptocurrency and blockchain as a technology can actually level up their economic playing field for different countries and boost their national growth at the same time help in providing a better economic condition for the entire world and if you like this podcast i'm done with it actually so if you like this podcast please do share it with your friends because sharing this podcast means you're sharing substance and uh, who doesn't appreciate that right anyways I'm going to have a nice Sunday today, very, very nice and long Sunday. And I hope you guys too have it. And uh, I'll see you on the next one. Until then, bye-bye. Take care. This is the Sunday Morning Brew with Sahas.